And we have our emotions first, which is chemical energy, chemical change in the body. Then that triggers thoughts, which are electrical energy. And that leads, if we allow it to, to action, which is kinetic energy. And as we know from the basic laws of physics, energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be converted from one form to another. So we are constantly in this flow of thoughts, feelings, and actions, and the three different energies associated with that. This is episode number 37 with Steve Neal. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. My name is Tibor Nagy, mindset and performance coach and the founder of Mindset Horizon. The mission of this weekly show is to reveal the disruptive mindset of purpose-driven entrepreneurs, high performers, visionaries, and change makers, so you can transform your mindset, realize your full potential, and execute on your dreams. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now let's get started. What is up, Mindset Nation? Welcome back to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm excited to announce that today's episode is brought to you by Podcasters Paradise. As a mission and impact-driven entrepreneur, thought leader, visionary, and change maker, have you ever thought of increasing your online visibility, building credibility, and scaling your impact and business by starting your own podcast? If you answer this question with hell yeah, now this is your chance. According to Edison Research in the US, podcasting is one of the fastest growing medium. Since I started podcasting, I knew I needed to invest in myself, learn more about podcasting, and surround myself with the best minds in the podcasting industry. This is how I became part of the number one online community for podcasters called Podcasters Paradise, created by John Lee Dumas, founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire, one of the most successful top-ranked and award-winning podcasts. So if you're ready to start your own podcast, build credibility, and scale your impact and business, I highly recommend checking out Podcasters Paradise at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash paradise. That's again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash paradise. You can also find the links on our show notes page at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash podcast. If you have any questions after checking out the Podcasters Paradise page or you want to know more about my incredibly positive experiences with Podcasters Paradise, shoot me an email at tibor at mindsethorizon.com or DM me on Instagram at tibor.mindsethorizon. I'm very much looking forward to hearing from you. And so without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. My guest today is Steve Neal, and in today's episode, Steve and I talk about really exciting topics such as the so-called limbic performance system, emotional intelligence, and how you can utilize your mind to live a life of fulfillment. We talk about the thought, feeling, and action cycle, how it can trap people, and how you can escape that in order to live a life of freedom. And we also dive deeper into belief systems, how it can limit your life, and how to develop a mindset of possibility and create a life of abundance. And now a couple of words about Steve. So Steve Neal is a dynamic and engaging speaker, trainer, consultant, and coach who has helped more than 40,000 leaders to date. 
Steve is a qualified physiologist, psychologist, executive coach, hypnotherapist, mindfulness instructor, and emotional intelligence practitioner. He is an international author and currently teaches on J5 International Executive MBA programs around Europe. He recently won the UK government award for best training course and his book, Emotional Intelligence Coaching, was nominated for the Financial Times Goldman Sachs Best International Business Book of the Year award. He is the founder and the developer of the accredited Masters in High Performance Leadership program and the creator of the comprehensive and practical online leadership course, the Limbic Performance System for Outstanding Leadership. This program has been used to change the education system in all schools in Lithuania and is also being shared globally by the United Nations. Steve has a unique ability to take the newest and most useful science on human behavior and translate it into accessible, practical tools. He delivers this knowledge and these tools in an engaging, unique way, always with a focus on helping you with lasting change and bottom line. So Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's welcome today's guest. Hi, Steve, and welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and uh, yeah. Great to have you on, Steve. You know, I wanted to mention this because um, we met in person during Mindville University, Pula, Croatia, 2019. And um, at that time, I didn't know that you wrote this incredible book, Emotional Intelligence Coaching. And uh, as we were preparing for this conversation, I just had this realization. And this was one of my first books in coaching about four years ago when I started to be more interested in personal development and coaching. And you're the author of this book, uh, one of the authors of this book. Uh, you're also a speaker, trainer, consultant, and coach. And I actually, you know, wanted to start with your story. I'm, I'm, I wanted to give you the chance to introduce yourself and how you got where you are today and what you do today. Yeah, I, I don't know my story. That's a good choice of where to start. So I guess I... I've always been a people person. So I've always been fascinated by this creature called the human and all the nuances and, you know, different emotions and experiences we have. And this pursuit of some kind of level of fulfillment and happiness in life that, you know, many of us are on. And then... Combined with that, you know, we've all got many, many, many beliefs. And some of them are good and they serve us well and some of them limit us, right, which is actually the business I'm in primarily, helping people understand and reprogram their beliefs. And one of, one of the beliefs I had from an early age was that there are no limits in terms of what you can do and where you can be. You don't have to put boundaries around yourself in terms of where you live, who you work with, travel, or indeed the scope of where you make an influence or contribute to this world. And so I guess that belief, which somehow formed during my childhood, has been the, the root, the, the stable place that's been with me in the, the 50 years that I've spent on the planet so far. And that led me to knowing that there was something I could do out there that didn't have to be in any way restricted by conventions, by 
expectations of others by being in a a nine to five job that I didn't enjoy. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not criticizing anyone that does, but it wasn't for me. And I know, you know I've worked with many thousands of people now who are dissatisfied with those positions they have and having those restrictions. So I know it's true for many people. And from that, I guess I just, I don't know, I went for it. I always had this entrepreneurial spirit. I've got a, I've got a very busy brain. And I remember reading um, an article several years ago comparing the brain to the revolutions per minute on a car. So on our cars, we have RPM, you know, 2,000, 3,000 RPM. And I, I, I often think about thoughts per minute. Some of us have got really, really, really busy brains. And, and some of us are more like Winnie the Pooh. And literally, you know, I just waking up and uh, thinking, so oh, today is Friday. And Friday is my favorite day. And I think I'll have some honey. Um, uh, and others are going, okay, so today is Friday and I've got so many things to do and there's so many opportunities and there's an opportunity and there's someone I could speak to. And look at that. That's an amazing, oh, and I have to read that book. And, and for some reason, that's the kind of brain I've always had. And when channeled into the right direction, it's been my best friend because it's led to huge amounts of ideas and opportunities and partnerships and it's kind of a never-ending stream of imagination and possibilities um but that brain that brain can also turn on us right so i had a period where i got a little bit bored in my life in recent years and and now that brain then started to go on oh, what if you get ill and what if this is all there is and so i started to go in down a route of actually anxiety and depression as well for a short time and um, and it was all the product of this, I don't know, 500 thoughts per minute brain that when used in the right way, it's our biggest gift. And when it's used in the wrong way, our imagination can be our biggest enemy. And I guess that has led me to always seeing possibilities. And that underlying belief also means taking risk. So as most entrepreneurs, I guess, will uh, validate the entrepreneurial journey is not the one you see in the movies where somebody comes up with a nice idea and for, you know, a little bit of work here and there, suddenly they're living the dream and everything is impossible and amazing and their finances. But no, it's a roller coaster. You know, I had a, I've had a company now for 20 years. It all went bankrupt a couple of times. I bought properties. I lost properties. I, but I always had this underlying belief that there's there's more opportunities coming and there is this endless stream of opportunity. And even even a couple of years ago, when I went into a kind of deeper state of anxiety and depression for the first time in my life, the belief underneath that was there's something so powerful going to come out of this. The level of learning and wisdom that I am being sent by this gift, even though that gift on many days felt like hell on earth, I always had this underlying belief that, there's something amazing coming out of this. And, and just one of the consequences that's come out of it is, you know, I've now been thinking I'm writing a book on anxiety and depression, even though it's not my specialism. And I got a major book deal within like two weeks of coming up with that idea. And, you know, I've been speaking and doing talks to mental health charities from time to time. And again, this is not actually the direction I want to go in, but it just came out of this 
process. And so I felt I needed to share it with people and the learning. So even in the darkest moments, I've got this belief, there's something powerful coming out of this. I just don't know what it is yet. Wow, Steve, um, so great um, to listen to this. And um, there are a couple of really interesting topics <clears throat> that I'm, 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 I'm excited about. So of course, one of them is, is beliefs. And I think, as you mentioned, many people would love to have this kind of belief, you know, underlying belief that no matter what happens, you know, they can come out and they can, you know, use this adversity or whatever it is as a gift. And then they can, you know, just create something out of it, as you mentioned, possibility. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this term or notion of uh, mindset of possibility or attitude or something like that. And uh, I appreciate you for sharing your story. It's, it's really incredible. And of course, one of the uh, things uh, I want to talk to you today is uh, one of your system is the limbic performance system or limbic leadership. Uh, you mentioned the brain a couple of times, beliefs as well. Uh, but I would like you to um, to talk to us a little bit about this limbic performance system for outstanding leadership. What is it? How can someone, you know, just learn more about this? Absolutely. So, well, first of all, if I just um, kind of wrap up the final part of where I'm at now, because you you also asked me to share where I got to now and to give you an idea. And then I'll go into what is actually the limbic performance system and why is it succeeding, actually, in terms of helping people. Um, so, yeah, currently, you know, um, myself and my organization, we've helped around 40,000 people worldwide so far in about 40 countries. Um, we do that through the online program and through webinars and seminars and training and coaching Um and video blogs and, you know, and all, all the various methods that that can be done. Um, we, I've also got an accredited master's program and we're just halfway through now. I'm training class uh, nine accredited masters in high performance leadership. And then I've got an official train the trainer program. So I've trained up around 40 consultants to run my programs around the world. Now we're just launching in America literally next week. I'm off to California where we've got a new team in the States that are hungry to learn and, share things in that part of the world. Uh, I, wrote a few, I wrote a few books and prob probably the most famous one is the emotional intelligence coaching one that you referred to. Uh, we also changed an education system. So even though my primary clients have been big multinationals, I've also got a passion for helping charities and education. And actually we had a four or five year piloted project in Lithuania where we succeeded in proving that bringing an emotionally and socially intelligent approach into schools by training teachers first and then children and also offering workshops to parents as well could have a massive positive impact on bullying rates, academic exam passes, absenteeism, sickness, and all of these kind of things. And so what we did is we proved that work by piloting it with a number of schools. And now uh, last year, the Lithuanian government passed a piece of legislation that every school in the country gets uh, uh, a minimum number of hours in my program. Cause that's, you know, it occurred to me, one of the books I wrote was leadership through the eyes of a child. And 
Uh, I was sat with the CEO of uh, Save the Children in the Baltic region, a wonderful, amazing lady called Raza Petriene, And she, we were reflecting on some work we'd just done with some social workers and teachers in Lithuania. And they were talking a lot about the kids and how much they actually learned from the kids. And it suddenly occurred to me that a lot of the stuff I teach in senior management teams, corporate executives around the world, in, in how to be more emotionally, socially intelligent, how to have a healthy self-belief, how to respect others and not judge them, how to be more self-aware and mindful of your thoughts, feelings, and actions, how to live life more in the moment, how to learn how to manage your emotional states and accept them from a mindful position, and so much other stuff. It's stuff that children do naturally until uh, we adults and our education systems and parenting and all of these other influences teaches them not to. So no, no child is born into this earth believing they are not enough, but we teach them you're not enough. No child is born into this world not liking another child because they're a boy or a girl or because the color of their skin is different or because they speak differently, but we teach them. And, and you know, no child is born in this world not to be mindful. You know, just observe any four or five-year-old child and they're living life in the moment like there, there is only this ball that I'm chasing now and nothing else exists. So we learn through putting pressure on ourselves that we have to worry about the future and have regrets about the past. Children don't do that. Um, so we interviewed these children and we got the wisdom from five, six, seven-year-olds, which I then wrote into a book and we, we sell that to corporate executives to raise money for Save the Children, saying if you want to be a really, really great leader... And if you want to grow an emotionally and socially intelligent organization, then just listen to the wisdom of these five and six-year-olds. Um, so that, that's, that's how that came about. And then one final bit I want to just add is, because I'm really excited about this, last year I did some work with an organization called NAMA in the Middle East, which is a, an organization for female entrepreneurs supporting uh, you know, uh, women's rights and equality worldwide. And it's, it's absolutely fabulous that that's actually based in the Middle East, right? And um, I did some training with 40 inspirational ladies that had all made success in their own businesses, but knew that that wasn't enough. And they wanted to go out there and make a difference globally. And uh, they loved the program. And it turns out that NAMA had got a partnership with the United Nations and I've shared my online program with these, these ladies from NAMA, and now, now the United Nations has adopted it. So they're translating it now into multiple languages, and parts of my online program are going to be shared globally via a UN platform uh, later this year. Um, so that's kind of cool as well, because that's meaning we've got the potential to reach millions and millions of people. Wow, that's that's incredible, and <clears throat> uh, sorry. <laughs> so that's incredible, and uh, it's so great to to hear this. And congratulations on all these things. And uh, you know, I wanted to refer back to children because accidentally I was um, so I met a couple of people in the last year, I would say, who were coaches in parenting or or similar areas, and accidentally this this topic is coming closer to me. So I, I'm taking it as a intuitive message or something because, for example, there's this project called The Brain Matters. Um, someone just asked me to support this endeavor or aspiration. They, they created the documentary about early childhood development and I'm going to interview the director and producer. So 
this was one of those projects and people who who accidentally came to me and it was about children, right? And um, I thought this is a really interesting and important topic because before that I was mainly focusing on you know, the mindset and how the mind works and, and entrepreneurship. But these are also very like close to me because it's so important that those children, for example, have this opportunity to develop their brain properly at an early level. So in childhood, as you mentioned, that they don't or they are not born with beliefs, you know, that I'm not enough and, and so on and so forth. So it's really an important topic, I would say. Yeah. And uh, it's all about brain development. So this documentary also, and uh, you are very much into this, right? <laughs> and the limbic system and everything. So yeah, talk to us a little bit more about this incredible topic. Yeah. So I started my career as a pharmacologist before I became a, a psychologist. And so I'd always got a fascination with what's going on on a kind of cellular level and what's happening in the body and what's the neuroscience. And you know, after qualifying as a psychologist, I, le- I started to learn more and more about the limbic system. The limbic system, for most people, would understand it as the subconscious or the unconscious brain. Okay, so it's a more primitive part of our brain that developed a lot sooner than the neocortex, which is the new shell or the new sheath or the new covering of the brain, literally in Latin. And that's the kind of outer region of the brain. And what I discovered is that the limbic system is absolutely the powerhouse of our brain because um, it is the core of our emotional responses. We've got this little little cluster of cells in the limbic system called the amygdala. And in Greek, amygdala means almond-shaped. So it's literally the shape of an almond. And this is a, it's kind of our security guard, you know. It, 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 it evolved to take care of us and create strong emotional fight-or-flight responses within us. Um, Subsequent research and development of the brain has shown that the limbic system, uh, or particularly the amygdala, is also associated with positive emotional responses as well. But originally it evolved to to keep us alive. You know, saber-toothed tiger comes along, you either attack it and kill it, or you run away, uh, but you need a massive rush of adrenaline and cortisol. You need to go into fight-or-flight. Then we've got a couple of other regions of cells, the hippocampus, which is kind of our memory encoding uh, place. So every experience that you've had so far in your life is encoded and stored via neuronal pathways. And the encoding part of the brain is the hippocampus. The hippocampus is um, very closely linked to another region called the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus is responsible for chemical changes, hormonal changes, within the body Um, and actually all an emotion is it's a chemical change emotion is chemical energy so you so the the hypothalamus is very much responsible for releasing or triggering or influencing levels of things like serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin which are all feel-good hormones and will give us feelings of pleasure Dopamine is the hormone of addiction, by the way. So that's the stuff that's getting people addicted to likes on Facebook and alcohol and nicotine and shopping and all the other masses of addictions that we have in modern society. Uh, so it's it's quite a superficial. But serotonin and uh, oxytocin, they're the, the hormones of lasting fulfillment. 
you know, so when you're newly in love with someone, when you feel a, a close emotional bond with another human or even an animal, you know, your favorite pet and you're stroking your dog, it's oxytocin and serotonin that are being released in those moments. And it's a deeply fulfilling feeling rather than, God, I feel good because I got a new iPhone. Oh, later somebody else got an even newer iphone i don't feel good anymore that's dopamine that's the dopamine so what happens is this is the first part of the brain that within milliseconds responds to everything that happens to us in the world so our senses take in information we see something we hear something we taste something we smell something we touch something and within milliseconds the subconscious brain the hippocampus goes on a search do i like this or don't i is it good or is it bad and that's based on your previous experiences so far. And if it likes something and it's good, it triggers the amygdala to produce a positive hormonal change via the hypothalamus, and you start to get serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin released. You feel calm, you feel good, you feel excited. And that, in turn, jumps on a pathway of neurons that goes up to the more rational part of the brain in the prefrontal cortex, and we start to have positive thoughts. So emotion comes before thought. And this is a massive misunderstanding in the whole way we educate and try to run our companies and businesses. We think humans are illogical. We are completely irrational, illogical creatures. And so we have to work with the big, powerful, subconscious limbic system first. I call it the elephant. We have to work with the elephant first. If we see something, we smell something, we taste something, we hear something that we've got a, a memory or a belief that we don't like, that will trigger a negative emotional response in the body. We'll start to feel sad, afraid, angry, or whatever emotion it will be. That will influence the way we think about that, and we start to have negative thoughts in association with that. And ultimately, then that leads to our behavior. So give an example. Let's imagine you're six years old, and someone takes you to an Indian restaurant for the first time, and they give you some food that's really, really, really spicy. And it burns your throat and you, you, you feel ill and it's just way too spicy for you as a six-year-old. Your subconscious, your limbic system will encode and remember that and every memory and belief gets tagged to an emotional state. So the memory is, I remember when I ate Indian food and the emotional state is one of sickness or one of fear or one of avoidance, yeah? So unless you have a different experience and you reprogram that belief from that day forward in your life, you'll avoid Indian food and you'll form a belief and you'll then create a thought from that and a behavior pattern. I don't like Indian food. I don't go to Indian restaurants. So 40 years later, you still haven't changed that or challenged it. And you get invited to a company dinner at the new Indian restaurant in town. And immediately you're going to get a negative emotional response in the body. You're going to feel a little bit of tension in your stomach. Your muscles will tense up. And then you'll start to think, oh, Indian food, that's really bad for me. It makes me sick. I hate Indian food. And then you'll, oh, I can't make it. I'm really sorry. I'm busy on Tuesday. And that will lead into your actions. But if you actually took the step of courage and you went and had that Indian meal and you tried something really mild and not too many chilies and you found it to be amazingly tasty, already you start to reprogram that old belief and memory and you start to form a new pathway in the brain. It's called neuronal plasticity. We've got this amazing capacity as humans to always grow new beliefs and have new experiences and get them implanted in our brains. 
And so you start to form a new belief. Actually, Indian food is quite nice. And not all of it is bad and too spicy. And if maybe if I just avoid too many chilies, and actually I'd like to check out the new Indian restaurant that's also open, then maybe, you know, this even ends up becoming the favorite, your favorite kind of food. Who knows? But our beliefs will limit us and they will all be tagged to emotional states, which will influence the way we think. And ultimately, if we don't break that cycle, it will change our behavior. So every human experience is a flow of energy. And we have our emotions first, which is chemical energy, chemical change in the body. Then that triggers thoughts, which are electrical energy. And that leads, if we allow it to, to action, which is kinetic energy. And as we know from the basic laws of physics, um, energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be converted from one form to another. So we are constantly in this flow of thoughts, feelings, and actions, and the three different energies associated with that. And this is something really powerful to be aware of, because most people never step outside of that triangle, so they believe that they are their thoughts, feelings, and actions. Well, I've never been good at tennis. Um, I always, I've always been a bit of a worrier. Um, well, I always get anxious when I have to give a presentation. So that's, that's someone who's speaking from inside the triangle and is trapped in it, limited by their previous experiences and thoughts, feelings, and actions. The amazing thing that we have as humans is the capacity to step outside of that triangle and go to a higher level of consciousness and actually observe and become aware of our thoughts, feelings, and actions in any one moment. So we can go to this mindful, non-judgmental place where you kind of go, well, that's curious. It's interesting when he mentioned the Indian food, the first reaction I had was I don't like Indian food. And then I started to think about excuses why I can't go. And I felt really uncomfortable and uh, that, you know, I had that nervous response in my stomach and tension. And, and actually what I did was I, I made an excuse up and said I couldn't make it. What could I learn from that and do differently next time? Now, if, if when you're in that place where you're being that observer of your own thoughts, feelings, and actions, then you can't be your thoughts, feelings, and actions because who the hell is doing the observing? So there is evidence enough that we can go to a higher level of consciousness and we can be neutral, non-judgmental reflectors on our life. And we can learn and, and live such a richer life if we do that. And that doesn't mean we have to be happy all the time. It means even when we get the sadness or the anger and all the bad emotions, that from a non-judgmental place, we're curious about that. And we learn from it because all of our emotional states are telling us something very, very true and raw about ourselves and our previous experiences. Wow, that that is such an incredible, you know, explanation. And yeah, I love it. I mean, uh, there were a couple of things, right? And I was just wondering, uh, for example, when someone wants to change their behaviors or actions, they want to, you know, just perform better, like how can they start doing that, you know, change those beliefs and, um, yeah, step out of this triangle, as you mentioned, which is a, an amazing analogy, and I love it. So the triangle was, just to make sure I put it down well, so thoughts, actions, and feelings, right? That's the triangle. 
thoughts, feelings, and actions. So feelings respond within milliseconds. So that's the fastest response mechanism the brain and body has because it's the subconscious elephant. There's about 6 billion neurons active every second in the subconscious brain compared to our rational thinking brain where there's about 100 neurons active per second when we're awake. So, you know, that's why we talk about the metaphor of the elephant, the big powerful beast of the subconscious, and the rider who is desperately trying to direct this big, powerful beast. Um, but the rider simply doesn't have the firepower. Yeah, so so how can someone, you know, start uh, reprogramming their mind, beliefs, thoughts, or stepping out of this triangle? What are some ways, if, you know, the listeners are wondering? Absolutely. Uh, the million-dollar question. Actually, there are a lot. Um, there is, the first thing I would say is there is no one-size-fits-all, you know. So I... Y- I, in the limbic performance system, which is a holistic system, and there's over 300 different tools and uh, guided relaxations and meditations to do this and uh, hypnosis sessions, and um, I've kind of brought together, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit of a personal development junkie, yeah. and I myself have... You know, I, I consume books more than I consume eggs in the morning, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, I love it. And, and, and same with, you know, development courses. Uh, and there's always, you know, even if it's stuff I know already, there's always some golden nugget or a different approach or a different nuance that I take away, right? So that's also a mindset and a belief. Are you an explorer of life? And is there an opportunity to learn everywhere you go? Or is it, oh, no, I don't need to read that. I've already done that. And I know that course. And, uh, you know, so that's also a belief, right? But anyhow, what I've discovered is what I've put into the limbic performance system is a very holistic approach to doing this. So you can take the cognitive approach, the, the thinking approach. So, you know, traditional kind of cognitive behavior stuff where you're training people in how to change their thought processes and, you know, visualizations and mental awareness and this, this kind of stuff. Actually, that can only work, and it can work, but that can only work when the elephant is calm. And anyone out there who knows that they've been stressed or anxious or overtired will know and vouch for the fact that all the positive thinking in the world does not make any difference at all in those moments. And in fact, it's almost impossible to access that positive thinking. And it even creates more stress because you're you're, you're lying to yourself because you feel really not in a great state. And you're going, I am wonderful. I am great. I can do anything. And there's a conflict in 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 the brain there and the brain's going you're lying no you don't feel this so you're you're a fake my friend and it will create more cortisol and stress response in the body we lie to us so cognitive stuff thinking stuff definitely works but we need to be in a place where the elephant is calm and receptive to it first and also that you know we've worked on our subconscious belief systems so how do we work on them well we do stuff through storytelling and metaphors, the you know the, the, the elephant doesn't understand language or words or logic. This is the language of the rider, the, the the rational brain. So the elephant needs it needs smells, it needs tastes, it needs music, it needs experiences, it needs metaphors, it needs stories, and it needs stuff that will work with it more directly, like meditation. And you know, I do a lot of hypnosis with a lot of my clients as well. Stuff where you can kind of switch off the the busy 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 mind that is skeptical and interfering ah yeah but you tried this last year and it didn't work and if you try it again it won't work again and da, da, da. we need to switch that off and we need to get stuff more directly into the subconscious and that's going to be experiential and it's not going to be through words or logic 
So there's a whole bunch of stuff we can do around that. And then there's all sorts of, you know, stuff that will get you into your body and connect mind and body as well, you know, various things and various forms of yoga and stuff that will also help with that. Um, and then we can work on the behavioral level, the third part of the triangle. So we can actually look at, okay, you come home from work and your plan is that you want to get fitter and you've started a new running regime, but it's only been a week in. And you're feeling really, really tired and a little bit sad and also a little bit angry. You had an irritating colleague at work. Uh, you, you didn't sleep well the night, the night before. And then you start to think, oh, do you know what? I just haven't got the energy for the run tonight and I'm going to leave it. And before you know it, your elephant is craving instant gratification, which is the dopamine rush you get from the glass of wine or the chocolate cake or the you know, sugary snack, right? Because the elephant really doesn't care about your long-term health and well-being. Your elephant is an animal that craves instant feelings. And it knows because it remembers from the day before that after one glass of wine or one big piece of chocolate cake, you get a, a feeling of satisfaction, albeit very temporary and addictive, right? So, but that's what the elephant wants. And, the, and then the rider is going, oh, well, yeah, well, I'll just, I, I, I've had a bad day. I deserve a treat. I'll just have the chocolate cake. And... You're out and you end up flicking through the channels on the TV. You have a lazy evening and actually you're not going to feel any better for that because the TV is also actually creating a lot of tiredness and stimulating the brain a lot and generating more cortisol and stress. So, and so the cycle continues. But then you find something within you and you remember the feeling that you had right after you'd been for a run yesterday. And it was a really, really great feeling. And you remember how your thoughts started to change. So what you actually do is then you go into behavior mode, and even though you're still feeling tired and a little bit angry, you put on your running gear, and before you know it, you're in the park. And before you know it, 10 minutes in, you've had a rush of serotonin, your thought processes change, the problem at work doesn't seem as big anymore, and it's, it's a whole new experience. And you've massively changed your thinking, feeling, and doing triangle and taken it in an upward spiral, rather than going down into the world of chocolate cake and TV. And, uh, and again, I'm not criticizing anyone that does that. I've done it myself many, many, many times. You're human. But it's just to be aware that any one moment you can change your thinking or you can change your feeling or you can change your behavior. And, and, and the other stuff around this as well is we've got to learn tools to be on top of our emotional states because emotions come and go really, really quickly. So we can learn tools and techniques and breathing techniques and we can do anchoring techniques where we program into the subconscious how, you know, if we squeeze our thumb and finger together in a certain way, it will instantly produce a feeling of, 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 of well-being and happiness. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a big answer there, people. But I think it's going to be a combination. And what I, I say to people on my, you know, master's programs and training programs is here's 10 tools that will help you with challenging and changing a belief and the tagged emotion to that belief in this particular area, whether it's your flexibility, whether it's your self-belief, whether it's your attitude towards others, whether it's your goal directedness. So let's you know, try all of them. And some are going to work for some people and, and some are going to work for others. And I think this is one of the, you know, one of the challenges I've had as an academic psychologist, because I'm also a qualified occupational psychologist is sometimes different areas of psychology and academia, they say, well, our approach is right. 
you know, so the cognitive, be- you'll find people that are NLP junkies and say, well, NLP is the answer to everything, neuro-linguistic programming. There'll be people who say, well, no, no, cognitive behavioral therapy, it's the only therapy that works. Well, actually, no, it's not. And it works for some people and it's completely hopeless and makes things worse for others. And then there'll be hypnotherapists that say, well, hypnosis, that's, that's the most powerful tool. Well, yes, it is for some people and it's not for others. And mindfulness meditation that is the answer to everything. And you need to do a, you know, mindfulness-based stress reduction course. And again, some people are going to have a really good experience and other people are going to find that a disaster and it may even make their anxiety worse. So we have to accept that there is no one size fits all and we have to give a holistic approach and a whole variety of tools to people to try with skilled guidance coaching and mentoring preferably as well so they can be supported in those experiences yeah absolutely um and and you have experienced many approaches which is great because you could you know you could you can come from a place or talk from a place or a perspective of a holistic approach and i really love the fact that you mentioned observing your thoughts or feelings or actions when you become this observer and i think uh and you mentioned awareness which is which can be one step or state to to get into and then you can get aware of those maybe feelings uh that you have and maybe also you know subconscious feelings or emotions that you are having in the moment because sometimes for example in in my life what i experienced that you know when I have a feeling, maybe I feel bad or something, I think about, okay, what am I thinking about right now? So that's that's my question when I, because sometimes um, habitual feeling comes back, which is, might be a bad feeling from the past or, you know, it's a habit, habitual thinking pattern or feeling pattern. And that's why I wanted to ask you what's, what's first, like uh, you mentioned emotions come first. But those emotions are the habitual ones, right? So the the things that you habitually tend to uh, feel or think about. Uh, so when I when I have something like that, I always ask myself, okay, what am I thinking about right now? So and then you know I can say, oh, I'm thinking about something that happened five years ago or three months ago. I experienced something bad or had some kind of a negative experience, and that came back habitually or something like that. So. That emotion that you mentioned, that emotion first and then the thoughts or actions or behaviors, like that emotion is the habitual one and awareness helps to recognize and then also maybe change or what can we do there? Yeah, so it's not entirely true that emotions always come first. Um, it, it's a two-way process actually, Tibor. So, you know, but, but but the part of our brain that responds fastest is the subconscious limbic system, the emotional part or the emotion triggering part. So, so what I mean by that is if we purely take a, a, a logical approach and think, you know, stuff like positive thinking alone will help us, we are sadly mistaken. It's just not that simple. But it's a two-way loop. So, you know, you could be absolutely fine and then suddenly a really negative thought pops into your head and that will lead to you feeling uncomfortable or anxious or stressed or hangry or irritated, yeah? And that anger and irritation and those feelings will also jump on a pathway back to the rational brain and they'll they'll keep that negative thought going. So you get into a negative loop, yeah? Um, but the other way around, you can be also not thinking of anything negative and then a stimulus in your environment 
might trigger an emotional state in the subconscious. So, you know, you might have had a challenging relationship with an ex-partner and it ended on quite a sour note and there was a lot of anger there that you still haven't processed. And then you're walking past a shop and a song that you both used to listen to comes on and suddenly you find yourself uh, feeling uncomfortable and suddenly you start thinking, actually, the day is not so good. And and why did I? And, and the thoughts will come from that, you know. So it works both ways. Um, but what we we need to be aware of is that it's okay. And first, first up, we need to accept that none of us are perfect. None of us are going to be happy all of the time. And actually chasing this myth of, you know, happiness is the answer is nonsense because happiness is just a fleeting emotion, just like sadness. And if we didn't have sadness, we'd have no appreciation of what happiness is because we'd have nothing to contrast it with. Um, so I often like to talk about fulfillment as being a much more uh, sustainable and lasting state that we want to be in. And that will come from uh, having clear purpose and have a clear sense of conviction in what we want to do. So, you know, a lot of the stuff I do with clients and my team does with clients is really help to get to the core of what matters most to you. What are your core values? What are those things that are most important to you in life? And then we try to help people to create a life around that so that they can take steps to live a more fulfilled life. And that will mean during the process, we come up with a whole bunch of belief barriers because there will, you know, there'll be stuff in there, well, I'm not good enough and I'm afraid of success or I'm afraid of failure or I'm never going to make a success. And who, who is going to want to listen to me? And, you know, I've got imposter syndrome. So every day I feel that people, uh, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, who, so many people have got that, right? It's contagious. It's everywhere. And, and so what we do then is we say, okay, so maybe through a bit of coaching first, asking questions, listening we'll get to the core belief that's what this is really about. And I know I, I am also a qualified psychotherapist as well. And one of the things I discovered sad, but true is most of our core beliefs are, you know, programmed in, in our childhood experiences. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, what we need to do is often, and I very much take a, a driving analogy to the work, work, work I do. So I don't use a lot of psychoanalysis and going deep into childhood anymore. But what I've discovered is if we want to move forward, we need to we know where we are on the road right now. And occasionally we need to have a look in the rearview mirror and just check the ride behind us is okay. But most of our focus needs to be on where we want to go and where we are now. So occasionally when we're looking in the rearview mirror, we might get to the core of that childhood experience or that that created that belief. And then what we'll do is we'll say, okay, well, let's look at the evidence that that's true. And it's not, and nine times out of 10, there is no evidence that it's true. Um, and then we'll say, okay, so what can you start doing now in the way you think, feel, and behave in the coming days, weeks, months, that will provide even more and more evidence that that is not true. And essentially what happens during that process uh, where we work at a subconscious level, we work at a cognitive level, and we also work on a behavior level, and it's often all three in combination that has the most powerful results, new beliefs form. And it's like you create a new pathway in the brain. And suddenly, as, as Joe Dispenza says, you've broken the habit of being yourself. You know, one of the books I read of is Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And it's like you take on a new identity because for all these years you had this identity that – 
I'm the shy introvert who, for example, who doesn't really speak very well and I could never speak in public and, you know, I'm always really uncomfortable in social situations. But suddenly you find you're not because you've taken steps to change the way you think, feel and behave around that and you've reprogrammed your brain and you've got a new belief. I have an introverted side, but I can also be very, very fine in social situations. And also I've discovered that I can be a great presenter and I can really entertain and engage a group. So I can do both actually. And the whole world changes as a result of that. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 amazing. And so you mentioned identifying one belief and then questioning that by looking for or asking if there's if there's an evidence if that's true or whether that's true whether that belief is true and then yeah sometimes we find it's not even true our beliefs form our reality so you know you don't live in the world the world lives in you and basically we're like data projectors as human beings you know so whatever we're thinking feeling and doing and believing inside The world around us becomes a mirror of that. But if we change the way we think, believe, feel, and ultimately what we do, the world changes. So to give you an example, um, if you believe that the world is a horrible negative place full of lots of dangerous people and you know you live in this state of fear that seems to me often the news tries to project into us paint, painting a very negative view of the world and often politicians jump on on that as well right and you're going to notice because your conscious brain has only got a limited ability to notice everything that it gets presented with every day so your beliefs become a filtering system and you're going to ignore anything that doesn't agree with that belief and you're going to notice evidence all around you that that belief must be true So you're going to focus your attention on the item on the news that's about another terrorist attack, and you're going to talk about it with your colleagues at work. And and uh, what you're doing there is you're reinforcing the belief that it's dangerous to travel and the world is full of horrible people and it's a bad place. Yeah, and you're not going to notice that there was a real amazing act of kindness on you know the underground metro this morning, and you know. Uh, somebody picked up the bag of an old lady and, and helped her and helped her off the train. Or you're not going to notice the item uh, that, that was mentioned on Facebook or wherever that there's this amazing project just been initiated to support starving children in you know an African country. Or you're not going to notice that. You're, this is literally you're going to filter. So the world will be what you believe it will be, and. And therefore, you're not going to notice opportunities as well, because every day, and I can assure you, every day is full of so many opportunities. So the belief glasses that you put on in the morning, that's where you're going to notice and focus your attention. And if you believe the world is full of kindness and love and gratitude and opportunities and uh, new ideas and things that can help humanity or contribute to this planet or make a difference, and um, then you're going to see it everywhere. And when you see it everywhere, that creates a new life for you. It's always been there, but old beliefs might mean you just didn't notice it. And then the other classic example that maybe everyone can relate to is, you know, I, I don't watch or read the news I, because for me it's it's toxic, but that's a personal choice, right? But 
Uh, and that doesn't mean I don't care about things, by the way. You know, some people who watch the news a lot get annoyed when you say you don't. They're like, well, you don't care. You've got no level of, you know, conscientiousness about the world. I was like, no, I do care. And that's why I'm not watching it, because I want to save my energy so that I can make the biggest difference. You know, you're going to have someone that's an extreme right-wing uh, supporter. They're going to read a right-wing newspaper. And every day they're going to see stuff that's biased and subjective in a right-wing direction that's supporting their beliefs. And they're going to reread them and go, it must be true. It must be true. And you give them a left-wing socialist newspaper and they're going to get angry. They go, who writes this rubbish? This is nonsense. And so people will start to limit their lives and be very selective about the experiences they expose themselves to so that their existing beliefs must be supported and true. But if those beliefs are negative and destructive or limiting, uh, that means that's going to be the impact on your life and that will be the life that you lead. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really incredible. This is one of the things I actually went a little bit deeper because I was um yeah, I was just reading about these beliefs and uh or learning more about these beliefs and you mentioned selective, which is called selective attention uh when you are filtering out information and there's this also this RAS reticular activating system which is filtering out the information, right? So meaning uh that your brain is trying to help you to find the information, whatever it, whatever is important to you from the external world by letting in those informations. The question is, what are you focusing on? What are you thinking about? What are your beliefs? So I think in this case, having an open mind could be helpful, right? So having an open mind to, to question your reality or your beliefs or your thoughts. You mentioned at the very beginning that you don't have to believe everything that you think about, right? Or something like that. I think it's connected to this belief system filtering um, concept because actually when I thought about, you know, mindset, so when I, I decided that I want to focus on mindset, I was thinking about this part like more like a belief system that the mindset is, is a filtering uh, attribute of the brain, uh, you know, that can help you or prevent you from, uh, you know, reaching your full potential or seeing possibilities or filtering those information that you need in order to move forward or reach your goals or whatever it is for you. I love it. And uh, actually, I wanted to ask you about your book, like a couple of words about the emotional intelligence coaching book. I mean, one of your books. And how it's connected to this topic that we were discussing in this episode, or what can people, you know, learn from that uh, book if they decide to to read it? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I mean, the book uh, has been around for 10, 11 years now, but it's still selling well according to our publishers. So we haven't really done anything with it. Um, but essentially. I wrote the book and I came up with the idea and then I brought a couple of colleagues on board for their different levels of expertise as well. Um, as an attempt to bring the, together the world of emotional intelligence and coaching, I was already uh, an emotional intelligence practitioner. I'd already been developing a lot of emotional intelligence training programs. And then I trained to be a coach. And I don't know, that was something like 12, 13 years ago. And actually, I was shocked by how bad the training experience was. And what I meant by that is even though there were some fabulous trainers, people were coming out qualified from that. And to be honest, they, in my view, were not self-aware enough or non-judgmental enough 
or um, skilled enough to be going around and playing with other people's lives in a coaching forum. And so I kind of went, coaching is an amazing uh, tool and it can help so many people, but it needs to be in the right hands with the right competencies. And then that's not to say a coach has to be perfect human being. I, I'm not and nobody else is. So, that, But you need to have a certain level of professionalism and awareness. And so I kind of went, these two worlds need to go together. We need to talk about this from three perspectives. First of all, everyone needs to understand how the limbic system works and what the whole of emotional intelligence theory is about. Secondly, we need to talk about how coaches need to have that within them and bring that level of self-awareness and self-belief and respect for others and awareness of others and empathy and rapport building into coaching. And then thirdly, they also need to know that if they work from a more emotionally intelligent perspective, using emotional intelligence guided questions and tools, they'll also be able to help their clients much more effectively. So actually it's, yeah, I mean, the book has been a kind of standard text now on a lot of coaching courses and uh, schools around the world. I was recently doing some professional development for qualified coaches in a school called Animus in London, like a couple of months ago, for example. And I still get calls today from random coaching schools in the middle of some country that I've never been to saying, your book's been really helpful. Uh, our coaches would love if you could come and do a talk or something. So, so hopefully I think it's achieved um, what it's set out to achieve, which is to bring these two worlds together. So we talk about beliefs we talk about working and coaching people and how do you coach people around their values and help them understand their purpose we talk about the coach being coming more self-aware and managing his or her own emotions we talk about the ethics and morals of coaching and how to do it in a professional way and boundaries um, it's a very practical book so it's full of case studies and real life examples we've changed names um we've also got interviews with companies where we've taken an approach of emotional and social intelligence into the companies and spoke to CEOs afterwards about what the impact it had on the company. And uh, so there's lots of examples in there. There's lots of tools. And then there's some relevant theory as well and a little bit of neuroscience as well. Absolutely. So I, I read the book and there are a lot of um, great topics and exercises as well. So um, I can highly recommend it to the listeners. It's, 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 it's a really great one. This was one of my first coaching books ever so <laughs> yeah so it's it's a great one uh, for me and i also wanted to ask you about books that uh, somehow changed your mindset or your life um, what would you recommend to to listeners besides emotional intelligence coaching a big game changer for me i, I just qualified as an occupational psychologist and i was still a little bit frustrated with the for me, what was a slightly too academic approach, you know, I, you know, I, I teach at five universities on executive MBA programs and I know academia and I was a little bit frustrated. I was like, there's still not enough practical stuff as a psychologist I can really use that people can use today to make a difference to their lives. And then I came across a book written by a guy called Tim Sparrow and a lady called Amanda Knight. So the book is called Applied EI, Applied Emotional Intelligence. And it was a wow for me. On that day, I kind of went, actually, this book makes more sense than my last two years, my, well, my last five years studying academic psychology in terms of how you 
can understand and help people. It was, and so I, I just, I just became a convert overnight. And I actually, I went on a course with Tim Sparrow. He's retired now. I think he's living on an Island in Greece. And I, um, I immersed myself into that world. And then I bought Daniel Goleman's book, you know, the famous emotional intelligence. And then I started reading about related topics. So that was a game changer. Applied AI, Tim Sparrow and Amanda Knight. And then if there was one topic more than any other topic I've worked on myself that has changed my life more than anything, and also that I've been asked to help and worked on and hopefully made a huge difference to the lives of many, many thousands of clients over the years, it's self-belief and particularly self-worth. How much do you love, value, accept yourself? Good stuff and the not so good stuff because nobody's perfect. And, you know, so much, much of the way we're educated attacks our self-worth in childhood. You are not enough. You're not good enough. You didn't get the A grade. You're not as clever as your brother. You don't look like a supermodel. So, you know, we've created a mass society of people that believe that they're not enough. And probably the best book I've ever read on this topic is a book called I Love Me. It's actually written on the cover, I Heart Sign Me. So it's like, I heart me. And it's written by a guy called David Hamilton, who, similar story to me, he started his career as a pharmacologist and then became a psychologist. And uh, there are many, many good books on this topic, but this is the one that I think is most comprehensive in terms of practical tools and ways in which you can look at developing your sense of uh, self-regard or self-worth. I love me, David Hamilton. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> I'm going to read all of them. So <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you so much for sharing. And uh, <laughs> before I ask my last question, I um, just uh, please tell the listeners where they can find you online, learn more about you online or get in touch. Yeah. So first of all, uh, I've got a little free gift, which I'm going to keep as a secret. But uh, Yeah, I've got a free gift for anyone that wants to email me. So um, email is steve at stevenealinternational.com and that's s-t-e-v-e at s-t-e-v-e-n-e-a-l-e international.com it's quite long and that's also my website obviously um, and also uh, we've got a face uh, we've got a LinkedIn page called Limbic Performance System where I am posting um well, actually, uh, someone that uh, I recruit, I don't do it, uh, post pretty much daily messages. I, I have hundreds of short videos, and so I've got a vlog and a, a blog that I send out every Monday. I've been doing that for about five years now. So if anyone wants to email me as well, um, then you can get my free Monday motivation, which is an inspirational three, four-minute tool message every Monday. Um I'm also Steve Neal on Facebook. Uh, I'm everywhere, basically. Yeah. So any of, any of those places you can find me. That's amazing. And the links are going to be in the show notes so people will find it. And uh, my last question is, so Steve, what is your mission? What is the legacy that you want to live? Where are you heading? So I, I believe that everyone on this planet has the right to live a happy and fulfilled life and be treated with respect. And... I and my team, through quality, passion, and authenticity, these are the core values we live by, we're striving to make that happen. So 
my initial vision was a 2020 vision by the, the end of 2020 i've helped through the tools and knowledges and experiences that i can share either online or in person or through my team of consultants we've helped 20 million people and actually even though we've only helped something like 40 something thousand to date the new partnership within the UN and other big things that are happening right now is starting to look like that that can become a reality. So, and the, I'm not doing this actually, well, actually I'm kind of doing this for selfish reasons because one of the things I talk about and it's part of my limbic performance system model is altruism. Mm -hmm. And one of the most beautiful things about us as humans is we're hardwired and to be benefiting from altruistic acts. So, if we come from a place of love and kindness and giving, and we see the good in humanity, and everyone, doesn't matter where they're from or what nation, what color, they all just need the same. They need respect, they need love, they need security, they need community. And if we come from this place and we share that with them, and we look for opportunities to do that, then from my experience, the universe comes back in abundance, and we feel good, and we get opportunities, and, you know, I am, so, so grateful for the life that I've had so far, the places I've been, the amazing people I've met, like people like Mama Habiba, one of the wisest lady I met at a, a goat farm out in the desert just outside Dubai. And I've got so many amazing experiences. And I guess having that approach of wanting to help and give has been the foundation of that. So 20 million by the end of 2020, and then, then come back to me at the end of next year, and I'll have a new target. Wow, that's amazing, Steve. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. And uh, thank you so much for sharing all these wisdom on the show. And I wish you good luck with all these goals for 2020. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure, Tibor. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. And I hope there was something of use and inspiration for, for, for the listeners. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. What is up, Mindset Nation? Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. And if so, please make sure to spread the word and share this episode with your friends. We are on a mission to build this community of Mindset Nation, so please make sure to go to iTunes, go to Stitcher and support us by rating and reviewing the show and don't forget to subscribe as well. For more information about Mindset Horizon, simply visit our website MindsetHorizon.com and sign up to our weekly newsletter to get the latest information about new episodes, Mindset Transforming freebies, tips and insights. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Leave us a message. We'd love to get in touch with you and hear more about you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and be limitless, my friends. Mindset.